Okay, seriously, how how did we get here? How did we get here? It's January. Is anyone else feeling like the rug was just swept out from underneath them and all of a sudden, like holidays are done, it's 2024 and you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> because that's how I feel. I had a good uh, holiday season as much as I can. Um, and, and I say that because I really do struggle with depression pretty badly during this time of the year. Um, for whatever reason, I woke up today feeling okay. And then that kind of makes me feel like, what the fuck is going on? Like something's going to happen. Uh, and if, if you get that, you get that. Um, and I, I was just thinking like, like holidays are gone. It's 2024. I'm still in the holiday days where time still doesn't feel real, yet I'm trying to get back on this routine and schedule. It just isn't happening. And I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a New Year's resolutioner, but one of my resolutions was to not wear sweats or pajamas all day while I'm working from home. Because, you know, in the beginning, when I started my practice, and I wasn't working in the hospital anymore. I didn't have to go into an office. I was like, fuck yeah, like let's wear sweats all day, baby. But that quickly became something where I was like, I just, I kind of feel like garbage. Like I kind of feel like shit, just like not really getting ready for the day. And I don't mean like feeling like I have to like dress to the nines, but just like I don't feel my best. And I, I don't really know how to, how to describe that. Um, and yet I'm sitting here at 10 a.m. still wearing my sweats. <laughs> so I'm doing what I said I wouldn't, you know, and that's okay. Um, this episode today, I really was thinking about like, how do so many of us feel post-holidays? How have I especially felt post-holidays? And the theme that really just kept coming to my mind was perfectionism and how to recover or feel good following the holidays. You know what I mean? I know when I was deep in my eating disorder or deep in following different diets, struggling with body image, I just, the new year always brought like that much more anxiety and like this feeling of pressure to do a different diet be like super consistent in the gym, do really hard workouts or start new workout classes or groups or like do a diet with my friends. And now that I'm out of that and looking in, I'm just like, God damn, like that was a lot of stress. And there was so much perfectionism intertwined in all of that. Not to say that I don't still struggle with perfectionism. Like that is definitely part of my life, but it, it hits different now. Like I struggle with perfectionism in other ways, other areas of my life. Um, it's not as prevalent as it used to be, you know? So I don't know. I was thinking, I was thinking that we just chat about that today. And I want to talk about the ways that um, there's this link between perfectionism and eating disorders. What are self-compassion and radical acceptance? And then how can we practice those two things of self-compassion and radical acceptance? How do these two things 
relate into our life and how can it just kind of lift some of that pressure of perfectionism. I'm going to be sharing some stories of my own experiences with perfectionism. Um, A lot of the ones that come to my mind really have to do with sports. Coincidence? I don't think so. And uh, we're we're just going to get right into the episode today. So hold on tight. Okay, I want to take you on a little journey of what it's like for me to record these podcasts with ADHD. Um, (laughs) I will sit on this microphone and sing so many songs into it and then go, oh my God, like, why am I doing this? And, And I know that it's bad. Okay, I know that I can't sing, but I do anyways, like so many of us do. And then I'll start drinking my coffee and make really gross, like, throat noises or like slurping the coffee into the microphone (laughs) just like laughing at that and then I'll start like bickering with my cats that are sitting next to me or I'll get sidetracked of something that I saw like out the window or making up fake scenarios and then all of a sudden it's been like half an hour and I'm like god damn like I haven't done a single thing for this episode so that's where we're at right now and I am just going to start like looking at my screen right now, looking at the like little skeleton script that I have out here because otherwise I'm going to be here for another like two hours. (laughs) So when we are talking about perfectionism, which not a new concept, but so many of us struggle with perfectionism and might not necessarily realize it or at least realize how it affects us, the capacity in which like we experience it, the areas in our life that we experience it. So I wanted to just kind of give a little debrief of what perfectionism is. And basically, it's this trait that many people might have associated with eating disorders. It doesn't mean that if you have perfectionism that you then have an eating disorder. But often individuals that maintain this really elevated perfectionist trait, even well into recovery, it can really increase risk of relapse to disordered eating behaviors or negative body image and make it really hard to heal. So when we're learning about self-compassion and radical acceptance, it can really help us, whether that is like in recovery from an eating disorder or just recovering from perfectionism in general, to just overcome those thoughts and feelings of needing to be perfect and taking a more mindful and loving approach to just life. So like I said, I just thought that this would be a really good episode to air after the holidays because it can be really fucking tough and draining after that season for so many of us. So I wanted to start with just going over the link of perfectionism and eating disorders. And then we're going to kind of like branch it out. Why do I keep going? (laughs) I'm so sorry. We're going to kind of branch it out and talk about it more in this general sense when we're going over self-compassion and radical acceptance, but still keeping the lens of body image, diet culture-esque vibes. Okay. So when we talk about this link between perfectionism and eating disorders, there is a lot of research that shows us that there's a strong connection between these two, especially things like anorexia and bulimia. And 
Perfectionism can be a really big risk factor and maintenance factor for a lot of different eating disorders, symptoms, behaviors. And I also strongly believe that that goes into body image, wanting to diet, desire to lose weight. A risk factor is going to increase someone's likelihood of developing a condition like an eating disorder, whereas a maintenance factor is more so going to perpetuate something that's already existing. So research shows that people who have recovered from an eating disorder tend to have really high levels of perfectionism. And so this could be a risk for relapse. So that being said, given the role of perfectionism in maintaining an eating disorder or disorder behaviors, as well as its influence on relapse, if we know how to manage perfectionism or just be kinder to ourselves in general when we're struggling with perfectionism, this can really help from early initiation and treatment to long-term recovery. So let's talk about signs of perfectionism. So people with perfectionist traits might attempt to control situations, work excessively hard, fixate on perceived imperfections or mistakes, and are extremely self-critical. Other signs might include low self-esteem, anxiety, feelings of failure, being a failure, judging ourselves and others, failing to live in the present, so (laughs) anxiety, negative self-talk, not feeling loved or appreciated, not feeling satisfied even when you do something well, almost like you don't feel like you're doing enough, having unrealistic standards for yourself, focusing solely on the outcome or result, having an intense fear of failure, and procrastinating projects or tasks. Or one that I would also add is like starting way, way, way in advance on projects or tasks and then feeling stressed because you don't have all the information to do that. LOL, literally my experience. I remember when I was in school and it was always in school, like school was very stressful for me, although I really loved learning. Weird. I struggled with this idea that I needed to get everything done right when it was assigned to me. So great example is my freshman year, first semester, I was put into a Chem 152 class. So it was like first year Chem, second semester Chem, because I had taken a a first, I'm not explaining this well, a first semester chemistry, first year, first semester chemistry, (laughs) chemistry class in high school. Okay. So I was advanced, no big deal. Except when I got into the class, I was like, holy shit, what are we talking about? Because the one that I took in high school was literally terrible. So I felt really behind and really freaking stressed. So we're sitting in this class, first day of school. It's my first class ever of college. And the professor is doing this like experiment in the front of the room. And it was supposed to be something that we did in first semester chem. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing up there? I literally don't know these chemicals and words that you're saying. You're mixing these things together. And I just, what's going on? And then they put up a quiz that was supposed to be like a recap of first semester chem and was supposed to be things that you obviously already knew. And it was supposed to be just a review. Okay. And my ass was sitting there like freaking out because I couldn't understand half of the words on the screen. I couldn't recall anything from Chem 151 all of a sudden. 
And I remember we were supposed to like pair up with people next to us. And so I was with this other girl who I didn't know. And she was just like, oh, easy. That's A. Oh, easy. C. Easy. B. And I'm like, what? Like, how do you know that? Like, are you some kind of wizard? And then the people uh, behind me and in front were also just like rattling off these answers like it was nothing. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm so dumb. I'm so stupid. I shouldn't be in this class. I shouldn't be in college. I need to go to the library right now and get the book and then go back to my dorm and just read it all night and like catch up. So that's exactly what I did. I skipped all of my other classes for that day, which just made that anxiety worse. I went to the bookstore. I picked up the Chem 151 book and 152 book and I went back to my dorm and read the the first semester Chem book from front to back. Did I retain any of that? Absolutely not. Did I get maybe three words out of that book? Maybe. But in my head, in my perfectionist brain, like that was what I needed to do. And really all it did was just freak me out even more, stress me out even more because the next day I dropped the class. (laughs) And I remember that feeling just like, the end of the world. I remember that feeling like there was nothing worse that could have happened. And I didn't tell anyone that I dropped the class because I felt like a loser. And I this was during the time where I was technically undecided in my major, but one of my friends who's a sophomore in college was like, just pick a major. Like, you'll feel better if you just do that. And I was like, okay. So I picked physiology as my major, which turns out is very linked to nutrition. And at the time, I didn't know that I wanted to be a dietitian. So say lovey. But I don't know. It it was like, I I just felt lost. I felt like, I thought I liked science, but I couldn't do it. So I failed at that. I felt like I didn't know what my major was and everyone else around me did. And so I failed at that. I felt like I wasn't liking college in that first day, first week of college. So I felt like a failure there. And I just remember everyone always telling me like, these are the best years of your life. And I didn't feel like that at all. And so that made me feel like a failure. Take a shot every time I say like. (laughs) And that, I just think about that a lot. I just think about those feelings and those thoughts surrounding how strong of a hold perfectionism had on me. And it just dug its fingers with its grasp into me. And that first year of college was really hard because perfectionism just ran through my veins. Another story that I think about a lot within perfectionism is my days in track. Uh, I've talked about this more so on social media, but track was something that I felt like I had to do. Growing up from uh, first grade to I think it was sophomore year when I stopped, uh, I played basketball and that was a huge part of my life. I was on the school teams. I was on competitive teams, travel teams. And when I got to my sophomore year, and my perfectionism again caught really loud, uh, sophomore year of high school, got really loud. And it just kept telling me, you're not good enough. Why keep doing this if you're not good enough? If you're never going to be the star player of the team, if you're never going to go to college to do this, if you're never going to be professional, 
Why keep doing this? And I remember back in like fourth grade, my grandpa had asked me like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was like, I want to be in the WNBA. And he was like, well, you're not going to be able to do that. And I was like, oh, 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 uh, uh, okay. <laughs> cool, thanks. <laughs> like, my, like I was a fourth grader. Like, just let me want that. <laughs> and for whatever reason, track was something that I was like, I can do this. I need this. If it's not basketball, then it has to be track, which is something that I was doing starting in middle school and throughout high school. And so, my senior year of, no, junior year of high school when I stopped basketball, that was when I joined a competitive and a club team. And I was running with the girls that were top in the state in their events. And some of them were top for like four events in the state. So it was intense. And I remember my perfectionist brain looking at these other girls, looking at their times, looking at the way they ran, looking at their lives and thinking, yeah, that's never going to be me. Even though I was running with these girls, I was on their team. So there has there has to be something to be said for that. Like I, I, I was good at track. And even when I say that now, like part of me doesn't believe that. Perfectionism is weird. Perfectionism really comes in and it just grabs hold of you. I remember I would get a PR in my 400 meter race and think, "Mm, that sucked. Next. Like, why? Why would that come up? Why would I feel just so defeated, even though I got a personal best? That, so when perfectionism comes up as this roadblock, it's really fucking hard. People with high perfectionist traits put this incredible amount of pressure on themselves to achieve often unattainable goals. So like, for example, with me with track, if I was running a minute 400, I'd be like, my goal is to run 52 seconds. Jesus, like that's not possible when you're running a minute. With eating disorders, this might be connected to weight, shape, size, a rigid pattern of eating or a strict and compulsive exercise routine. And then there might also be this tendency to measure self-worth by impossibly high standards of achievement. So aka me with track, me with Chem 152. Viewing every mistake as a sign that they are a failure. And we are humans. Mistakes are inevitable. Mistakes help us to grow, to change, to connect more with our authentic self, authentic, authentic selves. And while I still don't love mistakes and failure, I feel like I have a better relationship with it today where when I look at it, I go, okay, yeah, that sucks, but that doesn't define me. Whereas years ago, it would crush me. When we're considering perfectionism in this feature in the context of eating disorders or diet culture, body image. If someone eats something they believe they shouldn't eat, this might lead to feelings of shame and guilt, both of which are going to perpetuate these symptoms, these disordered behaviors. And remember, when we're talking about guilt and shame, guilt is one of those feelings that says, I did something bad, so maybe I can go and fix it, change it, whatever. But shame is something that says, I am bad. It's coming directly for 
me, my personality, my worth, what I do, what I say. And so while these two typically go hand in hand, shame is a lot of the times that emotion that really feels deep. Perfectionism can lead to a lot of other mental health symptoms and complications. So that could be like psychological distress, problems sleeping, falling asleep, anxiety, all of which could trigger more of these symptoms. So you can see that perfectionism really bleeds into a lot of areas. So it's important to screen and manage perfectionist traits. And anyone that's struggling with diet culture, eating disorders, and its strong association with various symptoms and behaviors. So what is self-compassion? What is radical acceptance? How can we start to include this into our lives to say, fuck off perfectionism. Like, I don't need that. I am allowed to fail and make mistakes. This is okay. Or at least I can feel like a layer of pressure is taken off when those things happen. Self-compassion and radical acceptance, in short, just challenge perfectionism. And together, they can help us overcome these extremely high standards for behavior and achievement. So self-compassion involves treating ourselves with kindness, generosity, and grace that you might grant someone that you love or care for. And a lot of the times when I myself experience perfectionism or I talk with clients that experience it, it's a lot of that feeling of like, well, someone else deserves to have that kindness, generosity, and grace, but I don't. That feeling of like, I'm the exception holding yourself to a higher standard. When you have compassion for yourself, you recognize and understand your pain and struggles and you make space for them without judgment or criticism. And that's really the kicker, making space. Because when you're struggling with perfectionism, you feel like you are in a tight box with no room to breathe. And so this idea of creating space and having room to grow and change, that's a lot. Self-compassion then comes in and that involves caring for yourself when you make a mistake or you're going through something difficult. This might look different for every person depending on what self-care methods work best for you, but what matters is your understanding, your attitude towards yourself and your pain. Practicing radical acceptance means that you're accepting your reality and situation, including distressing experiences or feelings, because by accepting them, you can care for them without judgment instead of criticizing yourself for a mistake, challenge, or just feelings. Now, if you've ever been to therapy There's a lot of different modalities that therapists will use. And even as myself as an eating disorders dietitian will use with my clients. And one of those is DBT, which stands for dialectical behavioral therapy. And an element of this goes hand in hand with self-compassion. DBT is one of these uh, modalities where it's like, I'm feeling a certain feeling. Now, how can I bring in maybe self-compassion or radical acceptance to that, but really it's this, okay, I'm feeling this feeling. Now, what can I kind of do with this feeling, ease this feeling, speak with this feeling? In short though, it's a type of talk therapy that's really based on cognitive behavioral therapy, meaning 
it's helping you to understand how thoughts affect your emotions and behaviors, but it's combining opposite ideas. So it's helping you to accept your reality of your life and behaviors while also helping to learn how to change these things, including unhelpful behaviors. So when we're looking at um, self-compassion and radical acceptance, DBT really goes hand in hand with this. So how radical acceptance benefits when it comes to eating disorders or experiencing diet culture is by helping an individual to accept their body or feel neutral in their body rather than feeling like I always have to be positive. I always have to love my body as well as feelings they experience related to eating, body image, and movement. So it can really empower people to accept stressors and triggers, anxiety, shame, and guilt, challenges related to recovery or diet culture, and relapses to disordered eating behaviors. All of that to say, it is helping us to create almost like a little toolkit, little tool belt against these things or with these things so that when they come up, we can work with them, not against them. I also like to think of like radical acceptance of this thing as it is what it is. One example that I use a lot with my clients when we speak about radical acceptance is using the example of having panic attacks. So if you've ever experienced a panic attack, you know how scary that feeling is. And especially if you're not used to panic attacks, that initial feeling of one coming on, it's like you want to do every single thing that you can to make it go away, to delay it, to get rid of it. And so by doing that, it makes the panic attack worse, elevated. It makes it feel scarier because you're like, I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. But it's still happening. Where if we were to bring radical acceptance into all of this, then it might look more of like, okay, I'm noticing feelings of a panic attack coming on. I'm going to lie down in bed, put the covers on me. I'm going to try to practice some breathing or I'm going to try and like tense my muscles and relax them and do things that I know that can help ease some of these feelings of anxiety or panic. And it is what it is. I'm going to let this happen. I've had a panic attack before. I've been okay. I'm going to let let this ride it out. And a lot of the times by doing that, the panic attack will subside or it's a lot less elevated than what it would be if we were trying to push it off, push it off, push it off. So how do we practice self-compassion and radical acceptance when we're experiencing perfectionism? Well, a major component of radical acceptance is acknowledging that eating disorder recovery or stepping out of diet culture is not linear. Rather, it might be a lot of ups and downs, and that is so fucking okay. So fucking okay. In understanding and accepting the unpredictable nature of recovery, feelings of body image, feelings towards food, we can let go of the perfectionist desire to recover flawlessly. I have a lot of clients that when we start working together and they have, you know, these feelings of feeling really good in recovery and feeling like they're trending upwards in recovery and things are like going swimmingly. And then something happens where there's a trigger or something happens where they feel like they have this setback. They typically describe it as this thing of, 
well, I failed. I'm no longer recovering. I took a gigantic step backwards and it's going to take everything to move forward again. Is recovery worth it? Should I keep doing this? This is really hard. And trust me, I get it. I have been there too. And a lot of the times that feeling is coming from that perfectionism and this need to recover flawlessly. And so when we pull back on that and we go, hey, these things are expected. We're humans. We're going to experience triggers. We're going to have difficult things come up in our lives. Uncomfortable things happen. And that's okay. That's okay. There's going to be times where we feel like we took a dip in recovery, where we took a dip in, you know, more desires to want to lose weight, change our bodies. And that's okay. This makes a whole heckin' lot of sense. And honestly, it's expected during part of this process because we live in a world where we talk so much about dieting, losing weight, the next workout trend, and you're human. And you're human. Another facet of radical acceptance is that mindfulness or people who practical radical acceptance live in the now as opposed to like always worrying about the future or viewing happiness as a goal to obtain. Radical acceptance involves letting go of the idea that you will be happy once you achieve certain goals, that you need to recover flawlessly, that you need to do this perfectly. The process can allow you to find contentment in the present, even in stressful or challenging times, or help manage emotional reactions, uncomfortable feelings. So I wanted to give some different ways on how to practice radical acceptance and self-compassion and how this might look. So one of these being accepting that slip-ups, relapses, they might occur and to treat them with forgiveness and kindness and work to get support when we need it. That it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to need support. Forgive yourself for your past behaviors so you can let go of your regret and move forward. The third Practice mindfulness by focusing on your feelings, acknowledging them, and allowing them to exist without judging them, as well as paying attention to your breath in moments of distress. Now, I will say that one, especially if this is something that's new to you, is a lot, I don't know if easier is the word, but there's a lot more support if you do that with a therapist or a a trauma-informed eating disorder dietitian, because then there's a little bit more of like control in this aspect where you don't, you're not doing it alone. You kind of know what to expect in those moments because your therapist or dietitian is going to kind of help walk you through it and just hold that space for you. The fourth one, let go of things you can't control and concentrate on things you can, such as how you react to slip ups or deal with distressing feelings or events. Again, easier said than done but it's a whole heck of a lot easier when you have that support. Instead of taking a goal-oriented approach to life, try to focus on joy of the present moment, whether that's eating intuitively, mindfully engaging in joyful movement, expressing gratitude, or just naming colored objects in the room. I know, I know. That one is honestly one of my favorite present or grounding exercises where you quite literally sit in your chair and you go, okay, I'm going to name five blue objects. Okay. My pen, this candle, 
um, this pot for my plant, this picture frame. And then you go, okay, I'm going to name four yellow things, three green things, two blah, blah, blah. And it's crazy how much that can help us get out of those anxious thoughts in our head and just go, okay, these are my surroundings. This is the present moment. I'm safe. The next one, process complicated experiences or intense emotions, especially negative emotions, by creating maybe a journaling practice or going into that tool belt that you have that you created with your therapist or dietitian of ways to feel present, feel the feelings, or maybe you can just be distracted from them. And consider the idea that love can be an action as well as a feeling, and that choosing loving behavior involves making the decision to care for yourself even if your feelings or self-love are not yet present. Ba-boom. That one is a really loaded one, and it takes practice. It sure as heck takes practice, and really all of these do, but I think this one, especially if you haven't ever really experienced giving yourself that this idea that love can be an action as well as a feeling, it feels really foreign and weird. So again, working with your therapist or dietitian on that can be really helpful to figure out how that looks or feels for you. So at its core, practicing radical acceptance is non-punishing, non-judgmental and loving and really something that I bring into each session with my clients. It can help us to let go of self-hatred and unhelpful emotions and allow us to focus on emotional healing and healing fear. It, if it doesn't feel like it comes naturally to you at first, that is so okay. It can take a while to adjust to this new mindset or unlearn the harmful ways that we treat ourselves. But once we begin to practice radical acceptance and self-compassion, we're better equipped to not only cope with unwanted negative and intense emotions, but also to move forward with generosity and kindness for ourselves. And that, that chef's kiss right there. Let me tell you. So perfectionism, radical acceptance, self-compassion. That's a lot. That's a lot. And if you're listening to this episode and you're going, fuck, like that was a kicker. Like I, I'm listening to this episode and I'm going Abby pop off, but also woof, because where do I go from here? I'll tell you, Hey, I got sessions open, baby. If you want support with this, if you want help with navigating perfectionism, self-compassion, radical acceptance within relationship with food, body, and movement. I got you. In the show notes, there's a link to the intake form that I have to sign up for a free 30-minute call to go over the things that you would like support with. Get to know me, me get to know you, and see if this feels like a good fit. It is, there's no commitments. It is free. If you feel like you're just like, fuck this, I don't want to do it. That's totally okay. Totally okay. No commitments. I also am happy to give names of different providers, therapists out there that can help you with this as well. And therapists and providers that are non-judgmental, health at every size oriented, and 
our eating disorder trauma-informed because that really is what we need when we're doing this work. And of course, you can visit my website for there's two free different handouts or ebooks that you can get. One is on no more food rules and one is on a body image workshop, both of which can help you with kind of decoding some of these feelings with perfectionism and is a really great free starting point to do that. So my DMs are always open on Instagram, fork.diet.culture and also on TikTok. And I'm here to support you. You are not alone in this. It is okay to ask for help. It is okay to ask for support. And I encourage everyone to have support and help. Heck, I get it all the time. You know, we need this. We're human. Whew, 2024. Literally how? Literally how? Well, you know, I'm not really sure how to end this episode. So I'm going to give you give you a little little coffee sip. Here we go. <laughs> that was disgusting. I'm so sorry that we have to end on that note. <laughs> have a happy new year. If you are someone that feels more stressed or the new year scaries during this time, I get you. I have that too. If you're someone that's like, fuck yeah, I love the new year. Pop off. You go. We're going to get this get through this together. We're going to give it all for getting closer to our authentic selves, allowing ourselves to have some fucking rest and say goodbye to diet culture's bullshit. All right. I'll see you guys next week in the next episode. Bye.